good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Um, as you know, there's a lot more that happens at Life Church than just the weekend services. There's a lot of ministry that happens during the week, and this week especially, there was a lot of things going on. And I've got uh, two people here to help me uh, tell you about it. Why don't you guys uh, each say your name and your position here at Life Church? Yeah, my position here at Life Church. Life Church. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I do work Sorry. at. Okay, cool. Yeah. My name is Sarah Canfield, and I'm the children's director. Okay. And this is my super buddy. Hi, I'm Tori Danner, and I am the associate Life Kids director. Is that right? Yeah, that's your title. <laughs> we don't really know our titles here. We just do work. We just do stuff. <laughs> stuff gets done. Some with kids. Um, so tell me about the theme of VBS, what it was all about, um, and yeah, I know it's video game related, but I haven't heard it explained from one of you. Yeah, the theme was power up, raise your game, so all week we were talking about ways that God helps us power up our relationship with him. Um, so the first day we talked about how God wants to have a relationship with us, and then we continue talking about other ways that he powers us up by sending Jesus, um, by giving us his spirit, and then talking about the fruit of the spirit. So, uh, Sarah, next question is for you. What was your uh, favorite part of the week of VBS? One of the things I guess that I really like about VBS is, you know, kind of on the volunteer side of things, because we have a lot of people who, you know, they just don't have the schedules or the jobs that allow them to serve in the weekend in life kids and we see the same people show up year after year in our vbs staff and it's just so great to see them you know continue to make this like commitment every year to step out of what they're doing doing a lot of them take vacation time like a whole week of vacation from their job um so yeah i mean that and then we have we just have so many amazing people at our church who are willing to, you know, really just do whatever it takes to make it be cool for the kids, to make Jesus something that matters to them. And seeing everyone just make the sacrifice but come together and have fun, it's kind of like reminds me of when I was younger and you'd go to camp for a week and you like bond with people and it's like you're friends with them forever now because of one week. It's kind of like that with our volunteers. Like you get, you grow such a deep connection and such a closeness with the people you're working with um, that it's like, man, this is really meaningful. How many volunteers does it take to make VBS happen? This year it took 71. 31 of those volunteers were youth. Wow. Which is totally amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. We had 135 kids um, on our registration, so... Yeah, it was crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Tori, what was your favorite uh, memory from the week of VBS? My favorite memory was dressing up in a blow-up Pikachu costume. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that was definitely a highlight, uh, mostly because the kids loved it so much. <laughs> um, I think my favorite, aside from that, it was really cool after the fact to see last night kids – that I know have seen each other, um, like suddenly just act like best friends. Yeah. Um, that was super cool. Cause it was like, yeah, we're, you know, we're talking about what was our goal of VBS? What was the coolest thing? And then it was like actually seeing it. It was like, okay, 
these aren't just things that we think happen. They actually do. And it was super cool to just witness it. Um, these kids playing together and having formed this relationship just by one week of camp. Um, also, a highlight this year was I just saw um, volunteers willing to do stuff that they weren't signed up to do hmm. um, in between. Like they had downtime because they were the storyteller or uh, the host team. So they had some downtime so they could just help out by setting up for the next day and step up and be willing to help. And it was it was super great to see and, um, I mean, helped us out a, a ton. Um, yeah, their dedication and willingness to just do whatever is yeah. really awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can, I can attest to that. I was one of my many roles here is to, uh, take video of things and edit it together. And I was just kind of bouncing around the whole week, uh, in different areas. And one of the things that I noticed throughout every, every place that I was at, there was just a ton of ownership from the volunteers about every area and people cared about the games and mm -hmm. the, the leaders of each group cared about their kids and being involved in games or being involved in a lesson or being involved in the small group study. And um, I think that's a testament to you guys and your leadership and uh, the way you've interacted with your volunteers. Um, and it was a, a fun time, uh, I think, for the kids. Um, I will say I don't want to hear any of those songs again for a while. Um, Neither do we. Uh, <laughs> just uh they've been in my head uh and i've been editing a video to them so um anyway thank you guys for uh taking time to talk to me today and um go up and say hi to sari uh sari go up and say hi to sarah and tori at, uh, oh my gosh is that like our new persona we're like one person sari sorry what did sorry. you say sorry uh tora no one can tell us apart anyways <laughs> they always think we're sisters so but anyway, yeah, we'd love yeah. to meet everyone. Come Parents say hi to my check-in. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed that little update from Sarah and Tori. Uh, here's Nathan. This is going to be week number three in our series called Daniel, What Are You Afraid Of? This message is called Power's Purpose. Hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for being here. It's been a a wonderful morning. It's been a wonderful weekend. And uh, if you're online, thank you so much for being here as well. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And we've been going through this series um, on Daniel, the book of Daniel, and really addressing just his character in the face of fear. And it's been wrecking some people in a, a really good ways. It's been wrecking me. Even this message, I, I just want you to know, I, I think that God wants to speak to you in a unique way. Um, this message has been a little different every single time, which is not normal for me. Um, I walked out of uh, worship yesterday, and there's a woman who came up to me, and she goes, she goes, uh, I'm sorry for everybody else in the room. I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, because that sermon was written for me. It wasn't for anybody else. And uh, I, I, I think the beauty of it is not that it's any skill of what we have, but that we're talking about fear and that we all deal with fear. But there's another element to it, and whether you know it or not, God works through the word, and he speaks to you, and he's going to speak to you today if you're listening. So I encourage you, if you're online, if you're in the room, that you are here for a reason, 
And that God wants to speak something specifically to you. And he uses broken human people to do it. But that's the power. We don't serve a God who's far off that this is a scripture that is dead and it's, it is what it is and it always will just be what it was for those people. It's something that's alive and changes us. So I encourage you through this series to be challenged. We're learning how to reject other names that have been given to us besides child of God. Because that's who we are if we know Jesus. We're a child of God. And from that, we can have courage and confidence to overcome any fear. And last week, Jared shared a powerful message about how each of us are, you know, wired to respond to fear in either fight or flight. But because of Jesus, because of what God has done, and even supported by science, that we have this third option to choose faith instead. And that's where our power comes from. Today, we're going to move even farther down the line and learning how to overcome fear. But my question is, you can't overcome fear until you name it. My question for you is, what are you afraid of? Not just phobias, but what, what are you afraid of? What's like wrecking you? What do you worry about all the time? What causes you to want to fight? Or flight. If we don't engage that, we won't grow. Jared this week actually asked a bunch of people on Facebook, and many of you responded, how is God helping you engage your fears in this moment? And there's amazing responses, but uh, a few, Katie said, he's reminding me that he's the ultimate provider of grace. So even if things go poorly, he's there. And that trust in him is supreme. I mean, that's the first thing in life. That's good. I love Nicole. She said this, God is helping me by showing me how important it is to sit with these fears and process them. My inclination is to run. And God wants to meet us in these moments when we process through our fears, that we want to avoid those fears, but God wants to process. And finally, Laura was talking about the church body, and she said, how can I fear when surrounded by love? And I love that testimony, that we're a church that surrounds people in love, and in love, people can overcome fear. So if you have a fear right now, God's hope for you is through community and his word that you overcome this fear. We base this all on one scripture, and it's about Paul talking to a young man writing a letter named Timothy, and he is passing on his ministry to him. He finds his place and fulfillment and challenge and passing on to the next generation. Paul's an older dude who's pouring into Timothy, and he says this in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. What a great passage. If you could just live into this, I think everything would be great. We're learning that living in fear, making decisions on fear is not compatible with the good news about Jesus Christ, that he has given us the victory over fear, the power of the Holy Spirit to make decisions based in love, not in fear of what may happen or what might happen, but out of love and also engaging in self-discipline when confronted with fear. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is this idea of self-discipline. But before we move forward, we started off this series saying that in the Bible, 365 times, it says, do not be afraid, which means we need to be told every single day not to be afraid. And so I want everyone in the room, we're, we're going to tell each other in just a moment not to be afraid. So you can say, don't be afraid. You can be all KJV and be like, fear not, you know, whatever you need to do. I like, personally, I like, don't be scared, right? Don't be scared. So what I want you to do is, act, now here's the thing, I can tell you, I can see all of you right now. So I want you to turn your head and say to your neighbor, don't be scared. Go ahead. Don't say, don't be afraid. It's whatever you need to do. 
Now turn to your other neighbor and say it again with a little more conviction because that was weak. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Don't be scared. I don't know why that's so funny. If you're online, I hope you talk to random strangers in the coffee shop. Don't be scared. They're like, well, I wasn't. Now I am, though. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? No, we're going to talk about some people in the Bible. I want to talk about an oxygenarian uh, in the Bible. We talk about young people all the time. Jesus, he was young. He was 33 when he died. Um, but I want to talk about someone who's old because um, I believe that they have something to teach us and they have something that we don't have in our young age. And so I want to talk about an octogenarian, which means he's in his 80s, and that's Daniel. So we started out this series just a few chapters before, and he was a young man. But now he's in his 80s. And we're going to talk about the most recognizable story from Daniel. If you've been in church, you may have heard this. If not, you may have heard it. But I want to talk about it. And most people don't realize that he was in his 80s. Not like back then they lived to like 200 and 80s was still young. No, he lived about 90 years old. He was in his 80s, which means he was old when he went through this. He had fought the good fight his entire life. We already learned that he stood up with courage and confidence in the face of fear, but he's been doing it for so long. He's had lots of practice in a foreign land, and he never forgot that he was a child of God, that his name meant God is my judge, and that his God was more powerful than anything in the world. He has fought the good fight. So we're going to join him in Daniel 6, verse 3 through 4. And what has happened at this point, um, and you'll see in the scriptures, that things have changed. He came into Babylon a slave. Let's see what has happened in verse uh, 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Daniel, at this point, he is one of the three most powerful people in Babylon, and he is about to be the most powerful. Now, I want you to know that there's some respect due to Daniel. He went from a slave to overseer of the whole entire country. We have never seen that kind of progression before in our lives. Like, that doesn't happen. He is moving on up. He is gaining some renown. This is some big deal, and some of you know what that's like if you are older in your life or you've worked hard you've built up this respect you've gotten this position you've done well with your finances you know you've done you've lived some life you live some life you know you get some education and position and some respect right some of you've got some respect right now some r-e-s-p-e-c-t and you need to like let people know that it's important to respect your elders and the people in position so just turn to your neighbor and just say respect Say respect. Give them, a, give them a little side eye, like respect. Especially you parents of kids, just let them know. Respect. Respect the power. Respect it, right? We can do that. We're all right. It's okay. It's good to do that in some ways. And he has grown up. But here's the deal. With power and influence and wealth, and far from causing us not to fear, they bring their own responsibility and their own fears. Like in this world, we really value power power and influence and wealth. If someone's wealthy, we think they've done well, that they're someone to be listened to. That's not a bad thing. It's just the way that it is. But what we know about money, with more money, there's more problems. That's right. Someone's over here like, I'll take the problems. You give me the money. I'll be all right. But I would say that more power, more problems. 
More power, more problems. If you're a business leader, you realize that you have a lot of power and influence, but that comes with all kinds of fears and worries and problems. And community influencers, people who have say, have power. And You know, here's the deal. You have YouTube influencers. You know that's a job title now is a YouTube influencer. It's someone who has lots of likes and they say stuff. And they, you know that they're realizing how much power they have because they'll do things that would be totally okay for like a teenager to do, you know, not online where everyone can see it. And then they'll do it and they'll get just destroyed online. Why? Because more power, more influence, more responsibility more problems. See, a CEO sounds nice, right? Let's all be CEOs until you see the cost of being a CEO, of working hard, of barely being home, of having all these lives and all these things at hand. We, we like to vilify them. Not that I'm saying that they're great people. I don't know many CEOs. I'm sure they're great people, but they have a different kind of pressure on them. Political leaders, they have different kind of pressure on them. Pastors, ministers, they have a different kind of pressure on them. If you're a staff member here, you need to realize that you have laid down some rights. Because as much as you like your Facebook profile, it's not yours anymore. It's pretty much the church's because people are going to see you and they're going to see the church. It's okay. That's what happens. More power, more fears, more responsibilities. Parents, you understand this. If you have kids, you understand that you have new fears and new responsibilities. If you've ever heard your child say something in the back seat that was inappropriate, that sounds like something that you would say, you know that there are responsibilities because you're reproducing in other people who you are. The fear of parents, too, the fear of a single guy about his future. It's very different. Like that fear of I'm my own guy, I, I have no other responsibilities. My fear for the future is very different than a single parent with three kids and their fear for the future. With these different responsibilities, these different influences, different power, there's a different kind of fear. Fear of losing that influence, fear of messing things up, things, fear of being found out, of being fake. All these things kind of push in on us when you have influence. Which power, influence, and money, really honestly, they're very similar they're, they're very similar. They have a lot of the same qualities, and it's when I'm talking about this, realize that to some degree, each one of us have this kind of influence. Now, Daniel was not only a model of someone who at the very beginning of the book had no power, had barely any choice, and in that weakness, he stood up for his faith. He's going to show us what it means to be faithful as a man of means and of influence. Daniel 6, verse 4. They could find no corruption in him, amen, because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. There's a sermon right there. For those of us who have influence and power, you need to realize that we need to use it in a way that is trustworthy and good. So they went to Darius with a plan. They had a plan. Okay, we're going to trap him based on how he loves his God. He has so proven that he loves God. We're going to trap him by that. So they go and they start talking to Darius in verse 7. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed, Darius, that the king, you, should issue an edict, a law, and enforce the decree that Anyone, listen, anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown in the lion's den. Whoa, this is a crazy power move right here. And 
Darius agrees. This is a trap. It was clever. It's seemingly innocuous to King Darius. He's like, oh, cool. Everyone praying to me? That sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. No harm. They pretended that Daniel was involved, but he wasn't. And these powerful people have maneuvered Daniel into a place where his influence, his power and wealth, and his very life are about to be taken away from him. So it's very important to see what Daniel does because before Daniel was in a position of weakness, but now he has everything. And there's so much more on the line than just his life. Do you realize that? See, his, what's on the line is his influence with King Darius. King Darius loves him. Later in the story, if you read it on your own, he, he weeps over Daniel because he's afraid because he got trapped too in this. He has power. He's about ready to be the highest administrator. First in the entire country. That's a big deal. And he has responsibility for the Jewish people, for the Israelites. You see, his people were put into exile. And the only reason they still had rights, the only reason they were able to worship the way they were supposed to, was because of Daniel and how God used him. Daniel was their biggest champion. If he was done, what would happen to his people? And finally, his wealth. Daniel was a man of means. He had considerable funds, and all of that could have been stripped away from him in a moment. He had more fear, potentially, than when he had very little. A very real threat has entered into his life as well. The death at the hands of lions in the lion's den. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Lions are scary, scary. Ooh. Ooh. Someone jumped right here. I see that. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? That visceral, like, I'm kind of afraid I need to run? Yeah? Anyone get like a little adrenaline rush right there? Anyone? Yep. Uh, who jumped a little bit? Raise your hand. Who has wet pants now? Anyone? No? All right. All right. See, the thing is, when I think of lions, I think of like the Detroit Zoo where they're out like sunning themselves. They've been in captivity their whole life and they're like, I hate my life, right? I don't think about lions in the wild. You know, Lion King is coming up. That's not real either. But, you know, there's this idea of, like, we kind of have this idea of what lions are and aren't. But, like, I've never met a lion in the wild. You know, most people don't go up to lions in the wild and get really close to them. Or at least I've never heard of one. And, and I think it's because people who do that die. <laughs> they do. Can you imagine that sound? Can you imagine a cave full of those creatures? That would be terrifying. That is real. So what did Daniel do in response to fear? What did Daniel do in response to fear? That's the question. That's why we're looking at Daniel's life. Because every single time Daniel teaches us something, how to act, what to do. And this is important. Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. When fear came, he didn't back down. I told you two weeks ago that it was only because Daniel knew who he was and whose he was 
that he was able to have the courage and confidence to stand. See, when you know who you are, that you're a child of God, and you know whose you belong to, the almighty God, you have the courage and confidence to stand no matter what happens. That is power. That is freedom. That is joy. That is what I would want for every single one of you, what I strive for in my life, this confidence not in myself and my abilities and my control, but in who God is. And Daniel had it. He says, I am confident in who God says that I am. Do you know why he had this freedom? His freedom from fear, it was there because of his devotion and his discipline. Freedom from fear is found in discipline and devotion. That's where it's found. It's found in this foundation, in this prayer. See, he hadn't just started praying in public. He'd been praying in public for three times a day, probably for 80 years. Freedom from fear was found in this discipline. This devotion to God as he positioned himself just to hear from God and say, God, you are good. Look what he did. He gave thanks to his God. You are big. You are good. You have given me everything that I have. And I'm going to continue to give thanks to you in the middle of this fear, just as he had done. But many of us wait for fear to occur before we pray. We don't invest in a life of prayer until we need it. Listen, if you don't change the oil, what's the car engine going to do? Okay, six of you, we live in like Motor City people. Like, you have to change your oil. Two people in the room, I'm like, you do? Oh, no. (laughs) If you don't change your oil, your, your engine will die. It'll burn out. Things will happen. Things will slip. Things will break. You can't wait to change your oil. You can't wait until the check engine oil light comes on. You've got to do the work diligently, be devoted to it, or your car will die. And we're the same. We're the same. That if we don't put our discipline and devotion into knowing who we are and spending time with our God like Daniel did for 80 years, when fear comes, it will own us. Because it's too late to build a foundation of faith when the fear comes. It has to be there before. It has to be there before for you to be taken through it, to have that joy and that power and that freedom. Listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. There's young people here, and I was one of you, and I still feel like I am, that I'm a young person who wanted to have influence, who wanted to have power like, and, and, and influence to do things for God. Like, I wanted to say I wanted to do great things for God. Now I just want to do things for a great God. But like, let me tell you what this takes. If you're going to be in this place of influence, whether it's a business leader, a minister, whether it's an influencer in your community, whether it's leading a family, do you know what it takes? It takes building a foundation of prayer before that. You've got to pray as if you already have the influence before you get it, or when you get it, it will own you. I'm going to tell you that that's the truth because I've lived it. And I want you to know this. If you want to do things for a great God, you've got to pray as if he's great. Do you understand this? So I'm just going to say that to you, but that goes for all of us. We will never stand the test of fear if we don't first set this foundation of faith dis- discipline. See, Daniel, there's more on the line than you realize for him. Daniel has done so much for the Israelites. And what Daniel could have done is he could have just prayed in private. He could have gone home, shut his windows so no one could see, and prayed in private. He could have done that. But the deal was he understood that there was more on the line. He understood because he was wise that what these satraps were trying to do, these administrators, these people who were trying to take him down, what they were trying to do was to take him out. And for them, it was a win-win situation. 
a win-win. Look, if he chooses to hide, they win. Why? Because now they know how to control him. They can control him by threatening his power. But if he doesn't and he goes into the open and he prays, then they win too because he will die. They think that they have caught him. What they haven't understood is who his God is. Daniel could have prayed inside and then been appointed to the highest position in the land. But then he would always be controlled. He would always be afraid of what they were trying to do with him. And you can compromise your position, but you will always have to deal with the fears that come with it. Daniel's responsibility was to God, and his freedom, the freedom of his people was on the line. And maybe we don't have satraps that are trying to, like, kill us, trying to remove power from us, but we do have an enemy, and his name's Satan, and he's trying to do something, too. What he wants to do is he wants to use our money, our power, and our influence and make them an end in themselves. He wants to make them so that's what we live our lives for, to have this influence, to have this power, to have all of this. He wants to make it an end in, in itself. The natural bent of any organization is to preserve the organization, and the natural bent of anyone with money, power, or influence is to preserve their money, power, and influence, and they will make compromises to keep it. But Daniel could have compromised, and yet he didn't. The only way that we will not compromise when God has given us this influence is if we know him. And so my encouragement to you, and I'm gonna write this down in a moment, this is a good time for you to write things down, take notes, I want to challenge each of you to start praying like Daniel. Maybe it's three times a day. Maybe it's one time a day for like 30 minutes or just three 10-minute chunks. And I want you to engage fear. Because if we don't engage this fear, if we don't sit with this fear and let God speak into it, we're never going to change. And these are the questions I want you to ask. First, what am I afraid of losing? What am I afraid of losing? Engage that fear. What am I afraid of losing? My, my relationships, my position, my financial security. What am I afraid of losing? What am I afraid of losing? Second question, God, who do you say that I am in the face of this fear? God, am I my money? Am I my influence? Am I my relationships? Or am I your child? Who am I in the face of this fear? What do I believe about myself that's not true according to your word and what you are saying? Who I am, who you say I am. We sang that today. Do we believe it? Do we actually say, I'm gonna choose to believe who you say I am? And finally, this is the hard one. This is where we grow. What do you want to do with the influence you have given me? What do you want to do with the influence you have given me? Whether that's power over the, the things that, and positions you have, it's the influence you have with your children or your community or the money. What do you want me to do with your influence that you have given me? Here's the truth, and you need to hear this. Power, money, influence, it's not yours. It's not yours. Daniel's wasn't given to him because he was excellent. It was only by the hand of God that he went from slave to the most powerful person in the all of the community. It was only because of God. He gave him that influence and that power to restore Israel and to make his name great, which we'll see in just a moment. And God has given you your influence the same. Do you think it was fair that you were born in America? No, it's not fair. Some of us have better, in, like we just have more privileges than others, just born into it, born into a nice family, born into the right color, born into, you know what I'm saying? That some of us have those influence and that power and that stuff because God gave it to us. It's our responsibility to use it appropriately. 
to use it for his glory and his influence. Most of us in America, we like to believe that we own what we have, that we have done it on our own, when in reality, none of us have what we have on our own. It's only because of God and community. And this is the truth that God has given every one of us power and influence, even if it feels small, and it's not yours. It's for a reason. If you believe in Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, guess what? It's still not yours, it's God. But you might have an excuse. Those who have given their lives to Jesus and say, I die to myself daily. We don't have a choice. But in it, it's the most beautiful thing that we can be a part of. The truth about fear is that it was always getting in the way of you being effective for what God's trying to do in the world. But if you overcome fear, you will spend your influence for glory. For glory. For something that is beautiful. Daniel spent it. He said, no, I'll put everything on the line for God. What did he put on the line for God? Everything. Everything. His influence, his power, his wealth, and his very life. Can we say the same? Or do we spend so much of our day obsessed with keeping what has been given to us? I think that that's where the fear comes from for many of us. Because most of us don't fear for where we're going to get our next meal. We fear about not having enough money to retire at the same level of income that we have right now. Hmm. One of the bravest people I know, his name is Robbie. And Robbie's in Uganda right now. And I'll tell you a little bit about um, why he's in there. But first, I want you to know he's one of the most, like, like bold people I know. Some would call him stupid. I call him amazing. Uh, he is not afraid of anything. And you know how we talked about, like, I don't know many people who would approach a lion. I don't know any. Well, I kind of lied. I do know one person, and his name's Robbie. And uh, we have this beautiful thing called Marco Polo, which is this video chatting thing where you can actually watch live as they're recording video um, or catch up on it later. And so I'm watching him. He's on a safari for Father's Day. This last Father's Day, they took him on a safari. And he's having a great time, and an elephant almost runs him over and everything. And I'm just kind of like vicariously living through Robbie in Uganda. It's fantastic. And at one point, he um, decides that uh, on the video, he's like, hey, I think I'm going to get out of the, the car. There's a uh, pack of lions over there. And they have just killed a warthog, and so my guides want to know if I want to go up there. They said if they pay them an extra five bucks, we'll go over there, and, and I'm going to do it. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. But at this point, he's still live streaming, so I can't, like, interrupt him. And so he starts walking up to a lion. I'm going to watch it right here. So he's walking up to it. He's about 10 feet away. You can hear that low rumbling, that's a lion. You hear that? It's a lion. And at this point, I'm like screaming at the screen to run. Listen. Did you hear that? <laughs> Did you hear that? He said that the, the small little crappy phone that he has couldn't pick it he said he felt it from the bottom of his heels all the way up through his and he just ran now Robbie had a wife and children but he's dead now no I'm just kidding he's still alive he's still alive would that be the worst way to be like hey that guy just died like right like, but I thought he was going to here's the deal that's a live stream he didn't update it after that for 15 minutes I'm sitting here like, Robbie just got ate by a lion. Like, like, 
What? <laughs> but uh, one of the most brave, stupid, beautiful human beings I know. And I, and I love watching that, that joy. But, but here's the thing. That, that's Robbie. And you can see that guy's got no fear. But the truth is he deals with fear every day. He does. He deals with fear every single day. He's in Uganda, and I've talked about him before, but he's there because he wants to adopt his daughter that he, like, fell in love with this little girl oh, trips before, and so he's, like, spent his whole last two years with his wife getting ready. They have decided not to have children until they can adopt this little girl. They have given everything they can. They have to spend a year in the country, and there's no guarantee he, that they will get this child. He's watching people who have done everything that he has done get sent home without their children and he lives in fear constantly that all of his effort all of his influence all of his money everything that he has done he's laid it all on the line not only his stuff but other people have laid stuff on the line for him as well and he's in constant fear that it won't happen he feels called by God and he's going to lay everything down and here's the thing that story is not over yet that story is not over yet but he has faith that God will show up we have people who are going to Haiti in just a few days and they're going, and it's not like this trip where everything's going to, you know, be easy and, and good. Like, the U.S. Embassy was just pulled out of Haiti. Haiti is a rough place. There are real dangers. There are real problems there. But they're going. Why? They're going because they believe that God wants to use them to do something over there and to be with the people who are making a difference in Haiti. And so they will willingly give up their safety their vacation, their money, their time. They're giving it all up because they believe in what God is doing. Volunteers last week, 70 of them, they gave up their time and influence so that they can go and be a part of VBS. This is what it looks like. The church you sit in today, the seat you sit in today is only here because people risked it all for God. But that's where the glory shows up. If you've ever risked everything you have for someone and then they accept Jesus and they get baptized and their life changes, you see the glory. You get to be part of the glory and it makes it all worth it. But you have to spend it. You have to spend what you have. You have to give it up. So my question is, how will you spend your influence? How will you put it all on the line for Jesus? Daniel is caught. Daniel is thrown into the den of lions and a stone was rolled over. Darius goes and mourns because he believes that Daniel is dead. He believes that everything is over. But what we know in the faith is that when you roll a big stone over something you think is dead, it usually isn't. <laughs> that God is doing something in it. So we'll pick it back up when Darius goes back to the den of lions, of hungry lions, verse 20. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty." powerful moment, so much so that Darius changed. See, he put all on the line. Daniel put it all on the line, and it wasn't just for Daniel. It was for Darius, because what does Darius do next? What does he do next? He says this, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, 
may you prosper greatly. I have issued a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and have reverence for the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. When you spend your influence, your power, your wealth, your energy on things for God and not for yourself, he is lifted up in a way that could never happen in your life. And that's what we live for every single moment. The story of what God can do through us is more important than keeping what you have. Can you imagine? Daniel could have hid and avoided, but then his enemies, which I didn't read, they all got thrown into the lion's den instead of him, and they were all killed before they even reached the floor. In case you were worried that the the lions weren't actually hungry. Here's the deal. You can keep fighting fear your entire life, or if you lay everything on the line for Jesus, for God, for his glory, you can find the freedom and power and glory that really your heart truly desires. Overcoming the fear of losing what you have only comes by risking it for God's glory. This is the hard truth. You will never overcome the fear of losing what you have until you lay it on the line for God. And so in that fear, you have to overcome. Robbie is overcoming his fear by going and doing and being and laying it all on the line for God. And the glory that will be brought to God will be amazing. The people in Haiti, the people in this church who are giving it up, who are going, they get to experience a glory that gives them the faith to overcome fear. And so I'd encourage you today is that you need to make a decision. Some of us, what we need, there's two groups in the room. One There's people here who need to risk everything on Jesus and say, you know what, I kind of believe that I want to follow this kind of person who would take care of his people and do incredible things. But there's a second group, and that's the majority of us in the room. And those are us who we need to risk our influence, our power, our money, whatever we have that, that can make a difference in this world, that we need to actually risk it for God if we want to overcome the fear of losing it. And so I'm just going to ask everybody right now to stand with me up in the balcony, in the back, online. Don't check out. I want you to listen in. This is the point. This is why we're here. I want you to just take a moment and close your eyes. Everyone just close your eyes in the room. Close them. This is an opportunity, even if you're listening, just close your eyes. Take this moment to listen to what God would say. And I'm going to pray this over you. God, I I pray right now that you would show all of us what you want each of us to risk for your glory. Maybe it means being honest with the people around us that the struggles that we have. Maybe it means giving sacrificially. Maybe it means starting to change the way we run our business. Maybe it means speaking up for what we believe in with love and truth and grace. Maybe it means... X, Y, Z, God, but we know that it means risking and overcoming our fears. So God, would you give us the courage to lay everything on the line for you? God, I pray that you would change us, that we aren't here to learn how to be good people. We are here to learn how to glorify you. And that means doing some things that look crazy to everybody else but they're not crazy when you understand who we are, which is children of the almighty, all-powerful God. 
and that your glory is more important than anything else. And for those of us who want to risk on Jesus, who want to know God for the very first time, to want to die to yourself and engage this freedom, you got to do it by committing your life to Jesus or recommitting your life to Jesus, and I want to do that now with you. How we're going to do it is I want to have you talk to God. You can repeat after me in your own words, out loud or in your heart, but you're going to have a conversation with God who is incredibly close. And you're going to ask him to speak into you. So just repeat after me. God, I'm afraid. God, I, I don't know you the way I want to. So I'm asking you to restore my relationship with you. I know that can only happen because of Jesus and what he did for me. That he died and paid the price so that I could know you again. So today I choose Jesus. I choose faith in him over the fear of what might be. Restore my relationship to you, Father God. And I will follow you with courage the rest of my days. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.